0: Welcome back to the Superheroes Everyday Podcast. I'm Danny Horn, and I'm here with Joe Hennis from the Muppet fansite Tough Pigs. Hey, Joe. Hello, Danny. I'm back. Oh, I'm so glad that I kidnapped you again. This is Act 2 of the 2011 four-alarm tractor fire Green Lantern. We left off with everybody getting a new pair of colored contacts. Hal is flying through the void at faster than light speed by way of a green bioluminescent glow. And then meanwhile, Hector is in his bathroom, and his eyes are turning yellow. So this is a terrifying nightmare for both of them, as well as for us. Welcome to Oa. We made it. Hal is approaching a planet that looks completely made up. (laughs) And seriously, every proper noun in this mythology is ridiculous. (laughs) Like other Uh, fictional aliens, they come from Krypton and Asgard and Vulcan, like planets that have consonants in them. I don't know why everything in Green Lantern is difficult to pronounce.
1: It's funny, you know, i I never thought about the name OA because I've been reading it in comics for so very, very long. uh, I mean, I guess like for a planet that is inhabited by these eternal beings that are like yeah. the oldest beings in the universe, it's like it's like having a license plate that's just the number one. it's like <laughs> they didn't they didn't need consonants yet. There was no other oA right we're just oA we're the only oA because we're the only ones here. <laughs> It's got these, like, glowing fires that are spewing out from it, which, if you know DC Comics, that's what Apocalypse looks like. Darkseid's planet. The hell planet.
0: I thought it looked weird. You are so right. Yeah.
1: So, obviously, there's no (laughs) reference to Darkseid or Apocalypse here. It's just supposed to be, like, it's just Green Lantern energy spewing out, like, like these uh, mile-wide trash can fires all over the planet.
0: (laughs) But they're green, so it's cool. It feels very wasteful to me, because that's Will spewing yeah. out of that. I'm not I'm not pleased with it at all. Hal is trapped now. This seemed exciting as he was flying up, but now all of a sudden he is in some kind of, like, alien abduction operating theater. Wait, did it seem exciting to you? That, it would have been fun if it was exciting. I think it would have been fun
1: if it was deliberately scary. Like a nightmare of, oh god, I don't know what's happening to me. And
0: instead it's just kind of like... An Uber ride, taking you someplace you don't want to go. We see him trapped in some kind of like force field in an operating theater. He is naked, which I appreciate. He's very good at that. Everything is is extremely CGI in this whole world. And, and he's about to put the CGI costume on. <laughs> you go first. Tell me about the costume for you. Okay, so it was, they made a big deal of this at the time.
1: That there was no actual practical costume. And it makes sense for Green Lantern because it's like, it's a costume made out of thought. So, how do you do that with a fabric? So, on the one hand, I appreciate what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that, like, what we saw from uh, superhero movies before and after, that they're still doing this, is yeah. they're taking what essentially looks like, because it's drawn on a page, you know, it essentially looks like spandex right? or, or form fitting just like we're coloring a uh, uh, human physique right but because we can't really do that in movies in a way that's well, looks, looks, uh
0: convincing it looks insane like if you right. you know if you were to paint on a costume yes in the way that that it kind of looks like in the in the comics like in real life that looks incredibly creepy it looks like they're naked right. So, what
1: they have been replacing that with in other superhero movies is Mm -hmm. armor, which I don't like. Where you like, I feel like every superhero looks the same, where we've got these big plates of armor that kind Mm -hmm. of mimic where muscles would be. Right. So, again, like I appreciate that they're doing something different. As for like how it came out, okay. So, are you aware of this concept that I feel like it makes the rounds on social media every once in a while called Henson's Law? Henson's law, and I'm gonna misquote this for sure, but like Henson's law, Henson's law basically says CGI, no matter how good it is <laughs> in the moment, will someday look dated. But practical effects will always look good.
0: Yeah, you you look at Star Wars. You look from the the 70s, and the spaceships still look just as amazing now
1: as they exactly. Ever yeah, right. Uh, and even now, like we look at like some of the early Marvel movies where we're just like, wow, like that Iron Man suit really does look um, like look real. And we look yeah. at it now in 2023 and we're like, yeah, I can kind of yeah. see the scenes now, though, yeah. you know, yeah, not as good as it could be. So they're already up against the wall here with the Screen Lantern costume. Like it probably looked great in 2011. And now it's like uh, it looks like it was made by a computer. Like it looks yeah. like you
0: matted Ryan Reynolds head onto this person's body. I believe that that occurred to people in 2011 as well. People were not convinced. That's one of the reasons yeah. why people were just not convinced by this movie. The other, the thing I really hate about it though. Well, two things.
1: One is that it should look, it should look more comic booky. It should look brighter and more fun. And it's not, it, it's right. like
0: dark it, with these lines that don't really need to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's yeah. I mean, visually confusing for one thing, there's a lot going yeah. on. It kind of looks like a Tron kind of yeah. pattern all over it. Yeah. But uh, the other thing is that, like, they
1: want to conceptually make it clear that this is form-fitted to his skin, to his body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we should be able to see his muscles. And later on, it's much more clear in a later scene where, yeah. like, you could see him breathing. You could see, like, he moves and, like, every muscle is right. moving on the costume and it's, like, icky. Yeah. So, like, I get I get it. Like, sure, it's an alien thing. It should look alien. But also, it doesn't look good. It doesn't right. look like something I want to buy an action figure of.
0: Yeah. There's a a quote, I've got Ryan Reynolds was at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival just a couple months ago, and talked about Green Lantern. And, And his explanation for what happened is this, there were just too many people spending too much money. And when there was a problem, rather than say, okay, let's stop spending money on special effects, let's think about character, the thinking was never there to do that. It's a very old school way of looking at things. It's just, let's just keep spending our way through this. And it didn't work. And I feel like that's kind of the costume is they did it and it didn't look good. And they said, well, we'll just keep spending money on it. And like, we're going to keep going down this road of spending money on it. And probably now that you say like what you just said of like, well, but maybe if we make it even more so like, you know, the that all of the striation and stuff, all of that movement may have been kind of like successive iterations on somehow we're going to keep adding stuff and at some point this is going to turn cool yeah because i think this was a selling point for them in the movie yeah i don't think it ended up being a selling
1: point but like i think for them it was oh and the costume you gotta you gotta come see the movie oh yeah because we're doing something with this costume that's never been done before right and the mask why is he wearing a mask and why does it look like that We see a lot of other Green Lanterns in this movie. Oh, yeah. None of them are wearing masks. Snitchell doesn't wear a mask. Yeah.
0: Kellogg doesn't wear a mask. No, none of them do. And it looks awful. It does not look good. It is the worst. Like, I don't even know how to describe to people how bad it is. It is shocking to me that they looked at that and said, yeah, let's just put that all over the lead actor's face. I, I don't know what they could have done as a mask that would have looked good for for what it's worth.
1: Like, I mean, the only reason he's wearing a mask is because Hal Jordan wears a mask in the comic books.
0: Yeah. But. And so I'm about to say something that I'm a little uncomfortable with because it's going to sound weird and judgmental physically. He has very small eyes, which is not a problem. Ryan Reynolds is a gorgeous man, but his eyes are fairly small compared to maybe other other people. And it feels like the mask accentuates that. His eyes just get lost in it. I don't know the science of it, but there's just something about his little eyes and then that that mask kind of slapped on top of it that just makes him look super weird and vacant and not present. Hal wakes up. He is alone. Obviously, he is encased in this magical green electric spandex and he sees himself in a mirror and he does some funny moves. And then here comes his new best friend, Obi-Wan Birdobi, who is (laughs) kind of like a a Yoda Dumbledore Chick-fil-A type motherfucker. Al says that he looks like a fish, which I respectfully disagree with. He has a beak. Oh, yeah. He is yeah. covered in chicken skin, and he walks upright. This dude is a bird. He's got like a fin on his head, which is the fishy thing. And but I guess he's yellow that, like a goldfish. Yeah, yeah. No, he there is nothing in common with a fish. His name is, is Tomar Ray. So he's T.R., the traveling rooster. And that is how oh, I, th- he is! Oh, is how I wow. think about him. Great. But he is my favorite character. I think T.R. looks great. And I like Jeffrey Rush's voice. He's very expressive. I just find him completely convincing. Also, he's got an, an unbelievable rack. Did you notice this? We, <laughs> yes. We it's, see him sideways. It's like a weird posture. It's like, damn, girl. They got like Dolly Parton type shit up top. And then this yeah. tiny little waist and these super skinny mm-hmm. hipster legs. And he walks on his tippy toes. <laughs> I don't want to body shame an imaginary chicken or anything. <laughs> I just I don't understand the science of how he stays upright. It is it is tragic. We're going to talk at the end of this about the action figures and it turns out no you cannot make a Tomare action figure that can actually stand. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but little Tommy Ray, he's such a mensch.
1: He doesn't really have much of a part in this. Like he he teaches how one thing. Everyone teaches him one thing. Yes, yeah.
0: And then he goes away and that's it for Tomare. I would have loved to see more of him. He shows up sort of yeah. towards the end. He does some stuff, but like, but not much. And yeah, I I could have done with a ton more of him. I like him a lot. Little Tommy Ray. He shows how the sights. So now here we are. Welcome to Oa, which looks like crap.
1: <laughs> it's like a mix of coral yeah. and steel and like, but also a cave. <laughs> and I, I get, it looks like it's supposed to be alien. Yeah. I get it. You mm-hmm. got you got me. Like yeah. I'm fine with that. But it doesn't look like you want to buy the 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 Castle gray skull place Oh hell No. Oh, no. you don't get a concept of like what anything is or where anything is. The scene, I was looking at the scene where he meets Tomare and like you can see in the background there's like buildings with like windows that are yeah. lit up. So people live there? But also
0: they don't because everyone has their own home sector. I, you know, I paused and looked at that that first big panorama of what you see. Like, problem number one is they're using, like, this shitty brown filter to, like, leach out all of the color. And it's nighttime, always. Which, there's just, like, these smears of, like, gray clouds and then, like, these purple bits and whatever. It is so easy to do a night sky on an alien planet. You start with stars. You put a bunch right. of stars up. And then, like, yeah. two to three moons. And that's it. Like, yeah, everyone knows how to do this. They've been doing it. Georges Méliès did this in 1902. How do you not know how to make an alien sky? And when you're standing in this first shot of the panorama, like you're standing there and you're looking out, it's actually really unclear whether it's organic or built. So you mentioned like the core, there's kind of like these spires, like some of this looks like it is hewn from the living rock. But then also... There's a little area that looks like a little medieval village from a video game, like a lot of really low houses and then a castle. And there's spires all over the place of all kinds. And I think probably every time somebody complained about how it looks, they were like, "Okay, we'll put in more spires. And there's just like (laughs) little spires everywhere all over the place. Kids love spires. They really do. Yeah. And just dark and not fun at all. It should be twinkly. But the other thing is, this is a movie called Green Lantern.
1: Like literally in yeah. the
0: title, in yeah. his name
1: is a source of light. That's a real good point. And for specifically this Oa scene, yeah, it should there should be light everywhere. There should be like things that are glowing, and we should see that central power battery. And <laughs>
0: wow, what a brilliant display of! But everything is so dark. And then there's the guardians who are like up in their open air citadel. Just sitting on their super high stools.
1: <laughs> they and, love it. Up there. Yeah. How's and the just, weather
0: up there, Guardian? <laughs> <laughs> and it just, it just looks, you know, it's majestic because they're telling us, they're informing us specifically through dialogue that it's majestic.
1: Oh, and then we we also have just before this, Tamara Ray is is he's explaining all the things that he already explained to us in the opening crawl. Kind of, does he even mention the fact that they're
0: space police? He says, since time immemorial. The Green Lantern Corps has served as the keepers of peace, order and justice throughout the universe. And to be chosen to join its ranks is the highest of honors and the greatest of responsibilities, none of which we will explain to you at all. They do not give us any examples of the kinds of problems that Green Lanterns ever deal with. There are thousands of planets, they say, in each sector. So my question is, street crime? starvation do they topple dictators do they stop planets from invading each other like what level are they supposed to work on we get zero examples of what a green lantern is supposed to actually do do you want to talk about energy let's talk about energy (laughs) (laughs) in fiction anytime anybody says the word energy it is almost always complete bullshit i really don't think that energy acts in the way that people in movies say that energy works you know so what are what is all this glowy stuff oh that's energy how am i flying around while well, you're flying around with energy and it's all generated from the central battery its power comes from the will of every living creature in the universe and as a living creature in the universe i have questions about this wait a minute i missed this part because that is
1: what he said wait a minute so
0: So with the central
1: power... Okay, let me see if I get this right. Okay, so the central power battery is is literally zapping the will out of us. It is sucking
0: the will out of every living creature in the universe. Which, okay, I believe it, first of all, because, hello. Because how tired you are all the time. Exactly. (laughs) But isn't that
1: what Parallax is doing to kill people? Parallax is zapping the fear out of them.
0: Yeah. And taking their skeletons along with it. The Guardians are no better... I really don't feel like they are. I don't believe that anybody consulted every living creature in the universe before they decided to go ahead and do this.
1: Yeah, I did not give my consent.
0: No. to funds, the space police. And and look how you're using it. Just flying around with it. I pay my taxes. <laughs> Screw this. I don't want you doing all that. Staff meeting. Over at, <laughs> over at Sinestro's place. He's holding some kind of like big pep rally. It's a huge dark Valley with an enormous stone ring in it. I guess it's really hard to say like what what any of these structures are, but all thirty six hundred or what is it now? We've lost four. Is, what thirty five ninety six
1: lanterns? We've lost three because one of them was Abin sewer who was replaced by hell Oh, you're
0: right. Okay, well yeah. So it's possibly it's possible that there's like four versions. There's like three other Hal Jordans who are there from different planets, different losers. True. Who don't have their own movie. And so Hal and Tommy Ray go and and join folks. And it's basically like a bunch of bar flies from the Most Eisley cantina. There's a big red flying jellyfish. There is a squashed green monster with one huge eye. There's a spider one and a, and a hornet one and one that's made out of rocks and a little hunched over goblin guy. It's very like diversity, equity and inclusion over at Sinestro's and I understand from the toys that some of these are actual characters from the from the comics. Yeah, almost all of them
1: are. And that's the thing is like, because there's been years and years of Green Lantern comics. And I think writers and artists like to get really creative because you can with these. Yeah, these and different species. Yeah, we end up with a lot of them who are like, yeah, like that's like that that hornet looking guy. Like yeah. that's bizd. Uh-huh. I don't know how I'm pronouncing that right. Bzzd. I don't know how to pronounce that. But buzz, the the insect. Yeah. Mountain. And like, there's one that kind of looks like a robot, and his name is Stell. Uh-huh. And there's one who kind of looks like, like pink chewing gum. And yeah. Like, that's Salak. But the thing is, is like this could have been this could have been the Moss Eisley scene. It yeah. could have been so much fun. Yeah. Look at all these characters. And it's something that Marvel's done in some of their more recent movies. Like, I know in the, mm-hmm. the most recent, Ant Man and the Wasp, but there's literally a scene where they go to a cantina.
0: Yes. They go to a little bar. Yep. And you look around and
1: there's all different people. Yeah. Yeah. That guy has a head made out of broccoli. Like, that's fun. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Comics, kids, you know? Yeah. And instead, like, everyone is like in the dark. We can
0: barely see them. Yes. And they're all just kind of looking at Hal Jordan, yeah. not doing anything fun. And yeah. then we never
1: see them again.
0: Yeah, and it and you you do want that moment, like you said, of like kind of looking around and, and seeing all these critters. And it's kind of like as soon as you see them, everyone's like, Shh, shh wait, wait, wait. Sinestra's talking. And now you gotta look yeah. at him. The thing that you have seen like six times in the movie so far, which yes. you haven't enjoyed that much. Now we gotta go and, and look at that instead.
1: We have previously established in one of the first scenes of this movie. That uh, Sinestro has the technology to speak to people uh, with like a holographic projector because that's how he talks mm-hmm. to Abin Sur. Right. But instead, they've called gotta back call
0: everybody 80, here.
1: A thousand Green Lanterns I away know. from their very important jobs
0: uh, just their, so they can hear the speech. Yeah, patrolling their huge sector. It is 100% couldn't this meeting be an email. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and And like later on, we'll see like he only needs like eight of them. You know, that
0: is a huge question to me. That's that is why are they all of this is like so we know that like there were four lanterns who were killed by Parallax and they're going to go again. And so he says, like, the Guardians have chosen me to lead a squadron to attack Parallax. We will seek out and fight it and we will destroy it. We see that later and they and they do not destroy it. But they bring like six people. There's 3600 people here. Apparently we can pull them away from whatever they were doing how about 3000 of us go like how could you not win against parallax if you just bring them all so he says we are gonna, we're going to we're going to do this so everybody chants and then they raise their fists with their rings and they they sort of ejaculate up into the sky just kind of like shooting their will out into the air in this big you know blinding pillar of light which seems extremely wasteful and some of that will very wasteful some of that will is mine And I I really, I don't appreciate them fucking around with it. I could have used some of that myself. I woke up this morning. All I wanted to do was play video games. You know why? These fuckers. Here's TR and Hal. They're hanging out on another stupid outdoor platform surrounded by toxic space energy. He's supposed to be training Hal on how to use his imagination ring power. And it feels to me like what you would do is first you make a cube. And then you make a little pyramid and then you make like a squirrel or something, right? You make little things that you can totally imagine and kind of work up to it. And instead he shows him this like insane, complicated, revolving op art sculpture for a second. And then he's like, okay, your turn. And Hal tries. You got to give him credit for trying, but it looks like crap. And I don't know why they're pushing him like this. I mean, you're right. It is not how you train people. No. But again, this would have been a great opportunity for some like real humor. Right. Something cute. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, like make this thing and he makes something silly or right. whatever. Or it doesn't or, look good or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, he just kind of like, I don't know, like he sputters and he makes a bit of garbage and you go, oh, man. Oh, hell.
0: Yeah. You didn't right.
1: do the thing. How are you going to fight the
0: bad guy? Exactly. And here comes one. Here comes Kilowog. Who's another useless trainer. He's an enormous monster who I guess is supposed to be bad cop. He's yeah, basically like the mean drill sergeant with this very exaggerated deep voice who comes and and it's just kind of like treats him like the sort of like the cliche drill sergeant of like you smell funny. This is easily my least favorite scene in the whole movie, by the way. Oh, tell me why. Well, Kilowog is a pretty fun character.
1: You know, obviously we don't have a lot of time to get into him. Mm -hmm. But I think whatever was fun about him in the comics has been boiled down so deep into this, like, what if he was just a drill sergeant that is just a guy? What if he's just a guy? What would that be like? Like a
0: shouty guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and especially when we have the opportunity to have, like, A talented voice uh, uh, actor It's Mm -hmm. Michael Clark Duncan. Yep. We've got CGI so we can make him look like anything. We can make him do anything. Yeah. And instead, he's like, what if I talk to you like you're an idiot and then throw a rock at you?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And he says your constructs are only going to be as strong as your will and your will is pathetic. Which, again, is hard to figure out what that could possibly mean. But all you have to do is imagine something, right? Yeah. It feels more like an imagination exercise than a strength exercise. So it feels like they should be doing improv training.
1: <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, right. He's, he should be, I guess it's, it makes sense that you should be unwavering. Mm-hmm. And I guess I understand like that army aspect of like, well, I got to break you down to build you back up, but he doesn't do any of these things. He no. just treats them like shit. And then it's like, well, this guy's going to die
0: in outer space. Yeah. And there are some moments like I really do like the moments where they actually build a thing. So like Kilowog creates like a sun that has a lot of gravity and it's pulling him. And Hal very quickly creates like a chain to hold on to, which looks cool when he does that. Like it would be so much fun to see them doing a thing where he gets to create stuff. I mean, they could even do the kind of like sword in the stone wizard battle type thing of like oh that would have been yeah so much better i've got an elephant and you've got a mouse and you've got you know whatever whatever you do like you know we can each kind of like play with each other and reflect stuff off each other yeah keep you thinking on your toes like that's what green Lantern's
1: all about and not like yeah like what if what if you had a really heavy thing how (laughs) would you make it how would you make it not be heavy
0: yeah what would that what would that look like if you know the this is will expressed as imagination so if a bad guy comes at you you just pull something out of hammer space This is martial arts Bugs Bunny style. Sinestro shows up for his rap battle. He is super rude and disappointed. He does a lot of very intense eye contact. It feels like he's the new regional manager. And Hal has been hired just in time for quarterly reviews, which he's going to get even though he just showed up. When I learned Abinster's ring had chosen you, I said there had to be a mistake and I see nothing to change my mind. The core is only as strong as its weakest link, and I will tolerate no weak links. And Hal's like, okay, this is my first day, though. I never even heard of you, Knuckle Knobs, like 12 hours ago. I absolutely do not know how to spell any of your names. Like, what is going on right now?
1: <laughs> and they could have made this so much clearer. Tamar Ray is there to teach him how to, how to use his imagination. Mm-hmm. Pillowog is there to teach him uh, how to think on his feet. Yeah. And Sinestro is there to teach him how to fight fear. Like right. that could have been very, very clear. Yeah. But instead, it's like, what if there were three guys who treated you as if you <laughs> don't know how to do a job that's never been explained to you? And right. you're also really dumb and, and ugly.
0: <laughs> I know. Instead like, you afraid, human? Huh? You afraid? I'm just like, he's, he's just bullying him. It's He's been kidnapped by a cult of bullies. And the crazy thing is it works. Like, for some reason, Hal actually believes that this is his fault and that he is inferior and not good enough to hang out with these abusive alien assholes. Then we're in college. (laughs) We're in a biology class. And here's Hector Hammond. Remember Hector? He's doing a lecture on prokaryotes and whatever, other stuff. And Things are starting to go badly for poor little Hector. He is starting to hear other people's thoughts, and those thoughts are not kind. So there's like a jock in the class who's thinking like, God, this is boring. What a loser. And Hector gets upset. and His eyes flash yellow, and he kind of like lifts the dude with telekinesis out of his chair, throws him across the room. So everybody stands up. Class is populated by superhero movie bystanders. They just saw something terrifying and inexplicable. And they just stand there and look at him and he uh he walks out. And he goes to his little lab where he takes a sample of his own blood and he finds out that it's got yellow stuff in it. <laughs> oh no, yellow stuff. Oh uh, no, there's yellow stuff in my blood. He's got Gatorade in there. Yeah, you would you would find that you would find that upsetting, I believe. And then he goes and sees his dad, who it turns out is the senator from earlier in the film. It's Tim Robbins.
1: It's amazing, by the way, that there are these two characters. That we're just now finding out are are
0: related, related to their father yep. and son. Yeah. And there's more. This guy has more relationships that we aren't going to find out about for a, another little minute. And like in the scene,
1: he he like, you know, Hector Hammond can read his dad's thoughts mm-hmm. and his dad's
0: thinking like, oh, he, he's wasting his life away.
1: Yeah. His college professor, son,
0: he's got a great job. I know. Doing what he loves. I do not understand fathers and children in, no. in superhero movies are very complicated. And he's just got the alien autopsy records. So he calls him in and opens a safe. He calls Hector into his office. He opens a safe in his, a wall safe in his office. And he just pulls out the record for the alien autopsy. And he's just like waving it around. And I, I think like this is not the kind of security that we were led to believe that they had around this. Yeah, right? He's just got it. And okay. Hector is really pissed because he believed, I'm not sure how he believed this, that they chose him to do the autopsy because he was the foremost xenobiologist in the world, which he specifically knows that he's not because he says so. Well, he believes this because this is literally what Amanda Waller told him. He may not really believe it, but like, yes, that's that's a thing that she did say. Right. So he's upset about it because there are scientists who are more qualified than him, and he wants one of them to have the job. And he's really pissed off that he's being (laughs) offered the job instead of somebody else, which seems a little bit self-sabotaging. But this is Hector. Very much so. This is Hector and his his bad attitude about himself. Here we are at Sector 2312 at the edge of the Milky Way galaxy. I don't know if you knew that that was a place the edge of the milky way (laughs) galaxy (laughs) there is this troop of lanterns who come in shoot a parallax try to trap them in green chains and it doesn't work and it uses its fear factor to tear their skeletons out again and that's except for sinestro i guess except for sinestro it's another failed Um, we don't see a lot of we don't see a lot of victory As far as the Green Lanterns go. I'm not sure what a victory looks like for Green Lanterns because we've never seen it. I I guess their best days really are behind them. (laughs) Yeah, they're kind of losers. Like, they don't even really put up that much of a fight. Maybe if they were better trained by people who knew how to train Green Lanterns. It's possible that these people are just, it's just a whole bunch of idiots. Sinestra says, these were our finest warriors. He's back at the Science Council. And he claims that these are the finest warriors. So, fine. And he says, we've tracked its trajectory. Parallax has hit it straight here. Tell me what you know about Parallax. And apparently they have been withholding information before he went out on this because fucking science councils. (laughs) So they tell him finally, they explain to him, Will has always been our sole weapon, but we've been kind of wondering if maybe we should expand our product offering and include fear. But the power of fear is too unpredictable. The chance of corruption is too great. And so we decided against it except for one dude who entered the forbidden chamber. So now we find out there's a forbidden chamber that's just full of fear that's somewhere in their in their space place. And this guy, his intentions were pure, but he was consumed by the yellow power of fear and became the very evil that he wished to destroy. And my question for him, what was the step two for his plan? Besides just like walking straight into the yellow glowy fear stuff and letting him turn him into a giant smoke monster. This is why you always need a spotter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's also like, this is clear that like the movie, does not know how to explain what energy is or uh, like what harnessing it and using it means. Yeah. Even if it's like, look, we've got this magical green stuff that makes us, that makes it so we can create anything Mm -hmm. with these magic rings. Yeah. What if we could do that in a second color?
0: That's all it is. It's
1: just more of the same.
0: Well, he becomes parallax, and that sounds to me like a dishwasher detergent. Or, or uh, you know, for a uh, washing machine, like he became all temperature cheer with parallax. Gets your whites whiter <laughs> and your brights brighter.
1: This lantern turned into some scary monster and the other lanterns are like we gotta give him a cool name though (laughs) what are we gonna what are we gonna call him now you know what's so cool parallax
0: Parallax. they're like yeah parallax (laughs) it is so cool abenster was supposed to imprison him in the lost sector but unfortunately we forgot where that was (laughs) we (laughs) lost it and we couldn't find it It was here like a minute ago (laughs) and so sinestro has a great idea which is we must harness our enemy's power to fight him and fight fear with fear. We must forge a yellow ring. As like we just told you a whole story 10 seconds ago about how that's not the right answer. Were you not listening? The other thing is is that they know
1: the thing that can defeat a green lantern is fear. Yeah. So wouldn't the solution be, well, we got to find the thing that that defeats fear. It's obviously not green. It's something else. Oh, do
0: you think it's like a rock, paper, scissors kind of deal? Yes, I Where, do. Like there's something right. Fear can defeat will and then scissors can cut fear. The problem is when we get back to Earth, Earth is just as tiresome as space was because now this is the party scene. We go, jump, we jump right into a friggin' party. Yeah.
1: Into a big fancy. They are, this movie is terrible with segues. <laughs> really and now we're at a party.
0: Is. Why not? How do we get here? What's the party for? Who cares? Have a drink. It's a big fancy dress up party where everyone's like drinking champagne and they all got like jewelry on and stuff. This is, it turns out, a big open air party for Ferris Airlines, which is the company that Hal and Carol work for. And it turns out is Carol is the daughter of the guy who owns the company. So this is a very nepotism movie. There's a lot of fathers walking around in this movie. Yeah, that's a good point. I All three of
1: our main characters, I guess, are yes. uh, uh, human main characters, at least, uh, all only have jobs because
0: of their fathers. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of nepo drama in this movie, for yeah. sure. And so Hector's there. And Hal is there and they stand next to each other. And it turns out that they know each other, which we didn't (laughs) know. There is, in fact, that was such a shock to me. There's a whole history between all of these people that we're just finding out about at the end of act two. My favorite
1: thing about it is like how casual it is. Yeah. Oh, hey, man. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, hey, hey." there's a guy I know. Yeah. And then the senator walks up, which seemed like it was like a different plot line. He's like, hey, Hal. And he said, "Oh, I'm so happy you to see you. You're like family. Like they really <laughs> know each other. These people all grew up yeah. together. And it turns out that Carol, he knows Carol too. Like apparently, the three of them knew each other as kids. The senator is basically a pioneer in family cruelty. He's he's an innovator and a disruptor, and sure. he just keeps coming up with new ways to humiliate his terrible son. And so he's like specifically pointedly walking up to Hal." Who does nothing but crash planes and says like oh Hal, there are thinkers in the world and there are doers and you're one of the doers just to make Hector feel bad and then Hal sees Carol in just the most amazingly a drop dead dress shows a lot of skin congratulates her on getting the contract and so I'm looking at her and I'm trying to make the calculation about like which Carol is this and it looks to me like Carol number two, who is the business Carol, who has kind of now an okay relationship with him. But this is not Carol three, who's like, let's go, you know, we're gonna go on a date. Oh yeah, yeah no, it's definitely not Carol three. This yeah. is Carol she'll, two. She'll show Carol up soon. Yeah, yeah.
1: This is Carol um, two. My favorite thing about this scene is that Hal's like, Carol, how'd you, how'd you get the contract? She goes, oh, well, I just pointed out the fact that the only reason uh, that you won is because you broke the rules of engagement. That's what Hal said when they tried to fire him. He's like, well, the only reason I won is because I broke the rules of engagement. He's the one who said it. Yeah, that is true. And she's like, well, I just pointed out the thing that you already said. They gave me
0: $7 billion. Yeah. All right. That's great. Senator makes a little speech, brings Carol up on stage, says that Carol and Hal give him hope for the future. Hector approaches Carol, and so now they're going to do a thing, and he has a very, it feels like ec- a very economical moment, actually, where he walks up to her, and she gives him a hug, and he, like, closes his eyes and smells her. And it's, like, in this super creepy way that's, like, okay, and now we understand kind of what that relationship is. Senator takes off in a helicopter. by Senator. Um, and so Hector now uses his new yellow CGI mind powers to explode a beer tap that kind of like busts. I don't know how this happens, but like busts like a fire hydrant and flies up into the air and hits the helicopter, like the tail of the helicopter where the engine is, I guess. Uh, yes. I don't know how helicopters work, man. I don't know. (laughs) If you think that that doesn't sound like enough to make a helicopter crash, then I am with you on that. I don't think so either. I guess like the helicopters have that one little blade on the tail. And if you mess with that for a hot second,
1: we're in a tailspin. We can't control the thing. We're gonna crash into
0: a thing. I don't know. So here's the helicopters kind of spinning around, and everybody can see that it's about to crash. And here are just more superhero movie bystanders just kind of like standing there looking up at this obviously dangerous situation. If there was a giant rotor blade, helicopter blade, like right spinning, you.
1: yeah, that would seem like it might at some point head directly towards the me, sky. Yeah. I am getting the fuck. Fuck out of there. Not these Don't people. They wait. wait
0: for, for Green Lantern. Just go. These are, these are superhero movie New Yorkers who have managed to, to come to coast city and all they do is look up. <laughs> and luckily Hal has his, uh, his Green Lantern ring. So he's going to do something about this. Like eventually, like first the helicopter, he gives the, he gives the the chopper a chance to kind of like fall out of the sky and plow straight through the party and there's one shot where there's a guy who's running and like is about to get nailed by the the rotor. Like we don't see it, but it is pretty obvious to me that there are already casualties happening. And so if <laughs> Hal thinks that he's saving the day, he is actually a little bit late. But he finally makes a thing. He makes a car that like encases the helicopter and then he makes like a like a Hot Wheels racetrack that spins up like this plastic track that then the helicopter kind of rides in. I kind of love that his strategy for catching a
1: speeding helicopter is to make it go faster.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because then it kind of like spins all over the party, like above people's heads. And it looks like it's about to crash as well. And it hits. So then there's like the, this big neon sign and a stage I don't know what you call this, like a scaffold. There's a there's a huge scaffold that falls over and it's about to crush Carol. And so he kind of like shoots a bolt of light at it and it falls down anyway. And it looks like Carol's dead. He makes a ramp and he kind of like pulls the, the, he he gets the helicopter to finally stop. And it turns out that he put a force field around Carol. So she is okay, which is very nice. And now here he is. He pulls her out of the force field and he is standing in front of the world, Green Lantern. Revealed for the first time. And what follows. Is the worst shot. In the movie. Possibly the worst shot. In in any movie. (laughs) He's standing there now on stage. Green Lantern. He has saved Carol. And there's everybody at the party. Is looking at him. Silently. Motionless. With their hands down at their sides. And their mouths closed. You get a shot of just more than a hundred people all over the place who are standing in exactly each of them is standing in exactly the same way of just like stock still staring at him like children of the corn it's insane like it you can see them in the background too in several shots we're still doing that
1: i mean it seemed to me like this was the kind of shot where the director was like "All right, everyone like you're in your places great um yeah just hang tight for for like a minute while we set up the next thing and they turn on the camera and they're like we got it Oh, I, that's
0: funny because I, I think the thing that I hate about it is I think exactly the opposite happened because if you just put extras standing there, they would move. I think what happened was that there was a take – like they were under strict instructions to stand in exactly this way, and there was a take where somebody moved, and they had a PA or somebody come out and yell at them and tell them not oh, to move. And they did a, yeah. another take Like because they have just – for some crack-ass reason, they decided – that they're going to do this like self sabotage take yeah it is a terrible shot i would recommend people go and take a look at it it's about an hour 7 minutes into the movie if you don't want to watch the rest of the movie i believe that it is worth your time to just <laughs> look at this just to see like what the worst possible shot could possibly look like this is it so we have just witnessed worst scene in the film so far now we got that out of the way it's, it can only get better from here right no way it's gonna be great yeah no way this could possibly yeah just get worse and worse so that's the end of act two of green lantern there is another 46 minutes in this movie and i do not like a single one of them (laughs) here's what's coming up in act three guy is coming at him with a syringe to give him sedative and he makes that guy just stab that syringe straight into his own eye and die who is this movie for? <laughs> I know There are children in the audience. I was definitely like that was, I was not ready for a syringe in the eye. I
1: I had something similar in my notes of like something happens and then somehow question mark, they
0: both end up at their respective apartments. The game I assume that you would play with test pilot. Hal Jordan is like, he's zooming through the air and then he remembers his dad's death and he crashes.
1: We just can't. I mean, we gotta, we gotta let the universe die to save the universe
0: says the science council. They have told us there are millions of species and this ring is just going to keep zapping around from one of them to another. Eventually, it's going to hit a competent person. All right, stay tuned for that. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you. I will see you back here for Act 3 of Green Lantern on the Superheroes Everyday Podcast. Thanks for listening.
1: die.